Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Praise God. Go with me over to Acts, the first chapter. And uh, Brother Alam, Alam was uh, uh, reading the scripture, start off with the scripture last week, and uh, uh, if you've been uh, paying attention here lately, there's been a theme that's been, been going on around here of late. Anybody notice that? And, uh, you know, one of the things that's important that we keep in front of us, the Bible says where there's a lack of vision, the people perish. And keeping vision and keeping purpose and keeping uh, God's plan and his direction in front of us is so important. If we're going to achieve and to do uh, all that God has called us to do, it's important to keep that. I think one scripture says where there is no vision, the people perish. Another translation uh, says that uh, the people run astray or, or unbridled. How many know that being unbridled in our walk with God and our service to the Lord and our relationship with him is probably not a good idea? And... Um, Vision is such an important thing in keeping things in front of us and, and being mindful as we live our lives. And uh, uh, the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of God. And so there is a plan for each of us. There's a, a destiny for each of us. There's a call upon each of us. I don't know if you know it today, but there's a call, a divine destiny on your life. Amen. No matter well, you don't know me, Pastor Greg. No, I know you. You were born of God, created in the image of God, in his image and his likeness. There is a divine destiny upon your life, right? And you are gifted and anointed by God. How many know it's important we know that about ourselves? The Bible says that we not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. Sometimes we think about having a big head, that we're so important. But sometimes it, it is thinking more highly than we ought means that we're magnifying our mistakes and our shortcomings and, and our, our perceived deficiencies in our life as though they're bigger. Listen, the grace of God is bigger than all that stuff. The call of God is bigger than all that stuff. Can you, are you hearing me today? It's bigger than all of that stuff. And so it's important to know who you are and know what God's called you. He's got something for you. But if we're going to accomplish those things, we've got to keep vision in front of us. We have to keep purpose in front of us. You know uh, with anything that you're doing and with your walk with the Lord, if you don't keep your attention where it should be, it's easy to get off course. Stephen mentioned the scripture this morning, you know, uh, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Uh, you know, he should be in the forefront of our, of our attention at all times and, and looking to his word and looking to this instruction and following after him. And, uh, you know, he's given us the Holy Spirit as a help in these things. And, and so here of late, the Holy Ghost has been uh, emphasizing, renewing our vision in some areas, really. And it's been about the importance of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've realized that. On Sunday nights, we've been talking about, you know, hosting the presence of God. And it's something that for me is uh, uh, something that the Lord just keeps bringing me back to. I, I told Stephen this morning, sometimes I feel like a broken record. It's just something that it's just on my heart. There's no greater calling than to host and to uh, carry and to walk around and experience and enjoy the presence of God in your life. That is the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit, Right. And so we know, you know, Christopher mentioned last week, you know, God's in heaven. He's seated at the right hand, of, or he's seated on the throne. Jesus is at his right hand. But the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, is with us. Woo, that is, that is such an amazing thing. And so our lives are to host him and to make him welcome and to pursue him and to go after him. Because he's everything to us. You can't look unto Jesus without following the Spirit of God. 
You can't be looking under the author and the finisher of your faith if the Holy Spirit isn't a prime in your life, if it's not, uh, if it's not something you're pursuing in your life. So we've talked about that on Sunday nights. The pastor's been talking about the baptism of the Spirit on Wednesday nights. We've been talking about it next door, trying to talk about it next door. Uh, they know what I'm talking about. So uh, we've been working, endeavoring to get there. Steve, a lot of times, is long-winded during praise and worship on youth on Wednesday nights. So... Let's just pray for him. Anyway, uh, no. So we've been endeavoring to go that direction. And then Brother Alan reads these scriptures. I believe the Lord's wanting to renew our vision in some areas. Amen. He's wanting to renew our vision. How many know that this word is not just written to, to pastors? This is written to believers. More, more specifically, these things are written to you. And we know anytime we see scripture, we see in the word something that's been directed to us, there's grace to have it. There's grace to experience it. There's grace to walk it out. There's grace to see it manifest and come to full bloom in your life. Woo. And so he's been, in, he's been emphasizing the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That means there's grace for us to see it, pursue it, and to have him in full manifestation in our lives. I don't know about you, but that excites me. That excites me that, that there's God's grace is on this right now. It's always there, but he's emphasizing it right now. And so, you know, we look at these things in these scriptures and, and I don't know if, uh, if brother Alan, I didn't mention anything to him about things that the theme that uh, the Lord's had us on of recent of late. I know pastor didn't, I just believe he was led by God. So, uh, this morning I had just had some things in my heart. So he, he read these scriptures in uh, acts, the first chapter. And this is where he was last week. We'll just start there and, and we'll see where we go from there. But in Acts chapter 1, let me turn there myself. Say, get there, Pastor Greg. Only about five of you did it. But that's all right. I'll forgive the rest of you. That's what I was waiting on. All right. That's who I was waiting on. All right. In Acts chapter 1, the fourth verse, it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which... He said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore your kingdom, of, uh, kingdom to Israel? And of course, you know, Brother Alan went into all the details of that. Verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put into his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so, you know, we read these scriptures, and it's interesting, you know, today or this last week and thinking about this, I was just looking at it. he commanded them. You know, we don't have many places where the, the writer specifically said that Jesus commanded. Now, he gave instructions and told him to do this and told him to do that. And we have many of these things that are out there. But it wasn't that often where he commanded them to do things that were uh, long-term, far-reaching, not just an immediate uh, action, but something that was to be pursued for, for a period of time. And he commanded them uh, uh, to... to um, to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. And, you know, Amy, if you weren't here Wednesday night, you missed it. Uh, and you can still listen to the uh, uh, thing online and on the app. She was talking about love. And let me just, she didn't tell, pay me to say that or anything, but it was really good. And I'll say this, you know, on anything you hear, don't just hear it from the lens or the ears of what you've heard before. But because that was, there was a lot of new stuff in there that, that isn't normally presented that way. 
And so I encourage you to go back and listen to it again. Listen to it again. She's got more. Don't want to miss this Wednesday night. So it's going to be good. But uh, uh, what was I saying before that? Yeah, there was a command. And, and so he gave the, the, the command. And, and this past Wednesday, you know, she had mentioned that uh, the scripture says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so really in our lives, when, when, when there is a command from the Father, there's a command from Jesus, there's a command in the, in the Scripture, really our adherence to, to obey and to pursue those things and to make them a priority in our life really is a reflection of our heart towards God. And I believe all of us here today have a heart towards God. Am, am I right today? Do you have a heart towards God? And so this is a command that, that he gave. And I, and I was just thinking there's other commands. The, the two commands that I thought of right away was that you would love the Lord God with all of your heart, right? Above everything else, you'd love the Lord God. Then you'd love one another. Love your neighbor, even as I have loved you. You know, you would love one another. These are commands that have been given to us. But in this particular verse, he commanded them to not go anywhere, to not do anything, to, to stay here. Even though instructions had been given about reaching the world and spreading the gospel, he commanded him not to leave until you have this. I believe the Holy Spirit is, is probably next to salvation. It is the single most important thing as believers in our lives is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is huge. It's something that, that uh, the Lord has just been continually reminding me of, bringing me back to, that the importance of the Holy Spirit in our life is everything to us. It is everything to us. It's everything to us. And, and, you know, Brother Allen said this last week, and I had never really kind of put the, the two and two together, but it's true. If there's one subject that gets more uh, criticism in the body of Christ, or there's more disagreement amongst believers, it's on the issue of the Holy Spirit. It's on that single issue right there. We believe in Jesus. We agree on that. We agree on the Father. We agree on these things. But when you get to the issue of the Holy Spirit, there's huge difference, differences of opinions, differences of, of beliefs, and, and, and things are said, and things are ministered, and beliefs are, are, are fostered that, that, that are in contradiction with one another. What is that? The enemy does not want us to grasp and run with the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, the one thing that, that the enemy would love for you to do is live a life unaware of the Holy Spirit. He would love for you to live your life unaware of the Holy Spirit. Now, on Sunday nights, we've talked about the, the living aware of him is recognizing his presence. And the presence of God is the Holy Spirit in your life. In recognizing him, the enemy would love nothing more for you to live unaware of his presence. Unaware of the Holy Spirit's influence, to a, a deaf ear to his voice. He would love for nothing more to live. Why? Because if we do that, we live as mere men, mere women. We lack the thing that made Jesus who he was. We lack, we're, we're missing out on the thing that made Jesus who he was. What, who, what, who Jesus was and what he did was because of the Holy Spirit in his life. Do you, do you realize that? It was because of the Holy Spirit. Well, he was the son of God. Yes, he was the son of God. Absolutely. But if you read the word, he laid aside all of his rights and privileges as the son of God, as, as one of the Godhead, the three, he laid that aside and he came to earth like you and I. It's in Philippians. He came like us. Go there and look at it. Philippians uh, chapter two, right? Philippians, the second chapter. These are things we know, but, but I think it's easy for us to lose sight of this. Remember, we want to keep our vision clear. We want to keep our vi the vision in front of us and keep our focus where it should be. 
in, uh, in uh, Philippians, the second chapter, speaking of Christ, in verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Leslie, do you have your Amplified Bible there? I like the way the Amplified says this. Oh, it might fall apart on me here. This is the Bible that gets read a lot when the pages are falling out. So, boy, it is bad, isn't it? All right. Uh, I'm afraid to touch it. Okay. Yeah, verse 5, it says, Let the same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you. Ooh. You know, if we're going to have our vision where it should be, we have to humble ourselves. Your vision for your life is not nearly as powerful as God's vision for your life. Amen? I mean, unless we're willing to lay down those things at his feet, you'll never be able to see his vision for you and who he's made you to be. Well, I'll miss out. No, God will get involved in your dreams and desires as well, but we have to humble ourselves before him. Let this attitude, this purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility, who, although being, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which, God, uh, which make God God, he possessed everything that God had, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained, but stripped himself, stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant, a slave, and in, and in that he became like men and was born a human being. So we see in Scripture that Jesus came as a man, he came like you and I. And, and really, that's where the wonder of what Jesus, the miraculous part of what Jesus did, is, is so amazing that he did what he did as a man. He didn't, he didn't just do these things because he was the son of God. Now, he was the only one qualified for the job because he was the son of God. And he was born of his father, so there was no root of sin in him. So he was the only one qualified to do it. But he still lived his life uh, uh, with, with, just like you and I do, he was faced with everything we're faced with. There's not a single thing that, that we come across that Jesus himself didn't experience. And that, is, that really is a humbling thing to know that when you, Steve said this morning, you know, I got myself into a mess and he just decided to turn it over to him. You know why you can do that? Is because Jesus experienced all of those same opportunities. Now he never got himself into a mess, but he saw the temptation and how easy it was. He, he saw how easy it is for us to fall into these things. And so he's compassionate on, on us. He's been there. You know, when you've been somewhere, you can really relate to somebody. When you've been somewhere, you can relate to them. You can, you can have a heart for them. You can, you can extend grace to them in a way that maybe if you, if you had never been there, you can't even relate to. But Jesus was where we are. He, he, he lived and experienced the same things we did. And so he came to this earth and he, and he did what, he, he fulfilled his vision and or fulfilled God's plan for his life and did the things that were asked of him. But it wasn't because he had special power that was given to him that we don't have. It's because of the Holy Spirit. Go over to uh, Luke. We've been reading in Luke uh, as, a, as a church here. Uh, in the month of January, we're done with Luke. We're moved on to, into uh, Acts now. But in the book of Luke, so we'll just stay and, and read these scriptures here. But 
in Luke chapter uh, three, you know, speaking of Jesus and, and um, the third chapter of the 21st verse, this is the account of Jesus being baptized by, by John the Baptist. And said, while the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended uh, in bodily form, uh, bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, and in you I am well pleased. Now Jesus, verse 23, now Jesus began his earthly ministry at, the, at, about, at about 30 years of age. And so we have this account, other, the other gospels go into more details of everything that went on there, but what an awesome opportunity for John the Baptist to baptize Jesus, right? And so he did that, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. Until that point, the Holy Spirit was not, had not rested upon his life. He had lived his life, and, and up to this point, he was in fellowship with the Father, and his, his heart was, in, uh, was right. He had not sinned, and so he basically uh, was, was one with God, and he had this, the Holy Spirit in him, but the Holy Spirit had not rested upon him yet. But notice, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he was now qualified to do his ministry. His ministry began once the Holy Spirit came upon him. We, we have no record of any miracles that Jesus performed other than not sinning, which is a miracle, right? I mean, he, he, of any miracles he performed before this date, it there's no record of, of those things. Now, did any of these things happen? I have no idea, but there's no mention of it in the Bible. But it does say here that his ministry started about 30 years of age, and it was once the Holy Spirit had come upon him. Do you realize that we're all in the ministry of Jesus today? We're in his ministry. If he couldn't do his ministry without the Holy Spirit being upon him, how can we do his ministry without the Holy Spirit upon us? How can we do it without the Holy Spirit upon us? You know, the, the, the church, absent of the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit, has been an expert in coming up with ideas that just don't work. Right? And plans that are good, but just don't quite reach the mark. They just don't quite uh, strike the hearts of people the way they should. It's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's that gift upon your life, which makes everything. In fact, it's, made, it's what caused and enabled Jesus to do what he did. It was the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you think we need to value this in our lives? Do you think this is something important that we should value? And we should hold in high esteem and honor in our lives. I tell you, the Holy Spirit is amazing. He is amazing. Remember, Jesus was just like us. Look at what a life looks like with the Holy Spirit in full demonstration in someone's life. You know that's possible for you? I said, did you know that's possible for us? That's what Brother Allen was talking about last week. You know, It's possible for you and I to live that same way. It's possible to live that same way. Now, none of us have reached it yet, right? Myself included, none of us have gotten there yet, but it should be an endeavor of our heart to pursue that and to let the Holy Spirit do his work in our lives so we can look more and more like Jesus every single day. But without it, without him in, in not just having him there, but being a precedent in your life, that'll never take place. We must have the Holy Spirit in us. We must, be, must have the Holy Spirit in operation in our life. Amen? And so it goes on in different things. That, uh, speaking of him in Luke, the fourth chapter, after he was tempted by the enemy, verse 14, it says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. Notice the news didn't go until he returned in power. Of what kind of power? The power of the Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit was the defining thing in his life. Now, obviously, fellowship was number one. And even the Holy Spirit enables us in our fellowship to really commune with God in the proper way. You read about Jesus, he would always steal away and go off by himself and go into the wilderness to pray. He was always doing that. Fellowship is number one. The number one commandment is to love the Lord God, your Lord God, right? Love him with all of your heart. So commune with him, right? But here it says that uh, being filled with the Spirit, he returned, uh, being, being, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And so the news of Jesus traveling was in direct relation to the power of the Holy Spirit being upon him. Your witness having an effect is all tied to the power of the Holy Spirit upon your life. It's all tied together. It goes on to say in the 15th verse, and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. So it came to Nazareth where he had been brought up as, and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he'd opened the book, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Do you think this was something that was in his focus? Do you think Jesus was excited at the fact that the spirit of the Lord had come upon him? Oh yeah, he found the exact place to read. The spirit of the Lord has come upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And every last one of us at one point has found ourselves in this description. We all found ourselves in this description in one way or another, brokenhearted or, or one of these other things, blind. We were all in this place. Jesus came, the spirit was upon him so he could reach us. It was the Holy Spirit on his life that is, is why you're where you are. And I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful that, that he's real. I'm thankful that there's power there. He wants to come upon you. We're in his ministry. We're, in, we're called to do the works of Jesus. We're called to fulfill his ministry. We're called to accomplish the ministry that he started. Not just we, but you're called to do that. Now, you know, of, of late, I, I, said, I told Stephen, Amy, I was like, I just, I'm not even going to talk about it. Here recently, but I just can't help it. Here recently, there's been a whole lot of talk. I don't know if you've heard about it, about things this year that are signs that are going on that could potentially point to the coming of the Lord. I don't know if anybody's aware of that, but there's some stuff that's going on out there. And, you know, generation after generation has, has, has seen things they believed he's coming back. And whether he's coming back this year or not, or 10 years from now or not, really makes no difference. The whole point is he's coming back soon. Jesus is coming back soon. I said, Jesus is coming back soon. And whether it's nine months from now or whether it's 10 years from now, it, that's, it's, it's, it's a very short amount of time. This is something that's always just stayed. It's been just been a big deal to me. It's something that I get excited about all the time. Jesus is coming back. He's, he's returning. And when he comes back, a scripture says when the son of man returns, will he find faith on the earth? You ever thought about that scripture before? When the son of man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find it? Will he find trust in the earth? You know, I, I, for the longest time, you know, growing up, 
I told Jack and I were talking about this the other day. I said, you know, Jack, for growing up, I never, I always had this, just, I just had this sense or just this idea or just this feeling, obviously I was wrong, but that, that I would never see the age of 40. Not that I would die early, and that's not what I'm talking about. I would never see the age of 40 because Jesus would come back before I turned 40 years old. Have you ever had thoughts like that? And I always just thought, you know, I would, I'll never, no, nobody else, just me. I, I, I had this thought, I'll never see the age of 40. I guess when you're a kid, you think 40 is old, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody who, anybody here think 40 is old? Get your hands down, boy. All right, so you about to spend several days with me. You're in trouble. I got you in my vision. All right. But you, know, you think 40 is old when you're, when you're young, but I always just had the sense I'll never see the age of 40 because Jesus will come back, is going to be coming back. And I'm 42 now, so I, I've missed the mark. You know, I know I look like I'm 25, but I'm actually 42. It's shocking. I don't want to hear what Edna just said. So <laughs> did you say speak it by faith? Will, will, we just asked the question, will he find faith on the earth? Will we find it right here? Hello. All right. 25. All right. So, but I always just had this sense that, you know, Jesus is, is, will, will come back. And I thought, but I never thought I'd see the age of 40. Now I'm, I'm past that now, but still that, that sense that he's coming back at any time is still burning stronger than ever. I mean, we have, we, we don't know specifics that the Bible doesn't give us a specific. Now there are things that are listed that are definite signs and clues that we should be aware of. Right. But Jesus did say that the generation that sees these things, talking about Israel becoming a nation again, that sees these things happen will by no means pass away. By no means pass away. That was 1948. We're, we're getting close and there's debate on what a generation is. How long is a generation? Is it 70 years? Is it 90 years? Is it 120 years? Well, you know, there, there's debate about that. But Jesus said this generation will, will by no means pass away. My dad's dad was uh, served in, in World War II, was in Italy. And he would be in his mid-90s right now if he were still alive. So that's getting up there. But younger children during that time, my grandmother was younger. She's in her 80s, mid-80s now. She's, she's progressing in age. This generation will by no means pass away before all these things are fulfilled. I mean, he's coming back soon. He's coming back really soon. And will he find faith in the earth? But more importantly, will he find faith in you? And, 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 ha- and, is, and without, if, if you have faith but don't have works then what do you have? You don't have anything, right? Faith without works is dead. Paul said, you say you have faith. I show you my faith by what I do. And so my whole point is there ought to be a, pro, a, a produce from our life, things that we're producing in our life. Can I just say this too, that, you know, we, we think of the things that brother Allen talked about last week as the, those are in the, those are the things we should aiming, be aiming for. You know, God wants to use you for that stuff as well. You know, your hands are anointed by God. Did you know that? Your hands are anointed. But you know, following the leading of the Holy Spirit and having a word in due season for somebody that changes the course of their life, that's just as miraculous. Right? Stopping to pick somebody up when the Lord directs you to do so. I know Steve and I were coming back from St. Augustine a couple years ago and we're driving. It was late at night. I told the story before and the Lord told me to stop and pick that guy up beside the road. So I went back around and picked him back up, come to find out he had just prayed a few minutes before. If you're real, send somebody to help me. 
Now, how did I, how, who told me to pick him up? The Holy Spirit did. Can you see that following his leading is everything? And so when he's coming back soon, we, we should pursue. Listen, that's part of keeping our vision in front of us. There's somewhere we're going. There are things that we're accomplishing and we can't do it without the Holy Spirit in our lives. We just can't do it without the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we stand before him, what will we have to offer? What will we have to, to, to show as, as our obedience for what he's done? Listen, following the Holy Spirit will make sure that when you stand before him, that you have plenty to offer. Not that we're getting there by works, but still you want to be faithful. You want to be found faithful, right? Holy Spirit is everything. He's everything for us accomplishing what we're doing. The things that go on in life, yeah, there's stuff that's important to us, but nothing is more important than the mission of the gospel. I said nothing is more important than the mission of the gospel. Nothing is more important than working our way or living our life in a light of that day. Those who love his coming, he's looking for those. I'm telling you, being in that position being in a position to stand before him and, and without shame or without regret, it's going to happen with the Holy Spirit in our life. It's huge. It is huge. Can you see how important this is? It is the thing that enabled Jesus to do what he did. How did he walk on water? He had the Holy Spirit in his life. How did he turn water into wine? He had the Holy Spirit in his life. When they tried to trap him in his words, how did, he, how did he just work it out to where it was perfect? He had the Holy Spirit in his life. How was he able to, to, to do what he did and make the sacrifice that he did and to, pastors been talking about consecration, to lay his will down and to lay his life down and say, not your will, but your, my will, but your will be done. How was he able to do that in the toughest possible situation was the Holy Spirit. It was that power of the Holy Spirit in his life. I'm telling you, if we make him our pursuit, if we make him our, 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 our aim, if we make him hosting his presence, honoring him and learning to fellowship with him, pursuing him, being aware of him, right? Live in our lives where you're checking your heart. Is there anything you want me to do? Anything you want me to say? Is there any, anybody you want me to, to, it's easy to be out and about and not even pay attention to what, to, to pay attention to any promptings of the Lord, isn't it? I got to go here, do this. I got my checklist. I got to be back in time for, you know, this show. I got to do this, you know, and just completely go by many opportunities. It's the Holy Spirit. You know, Peter is an example of somebody. We look at Jesus's life and you think, well, you know, uh, Jesus did what he did because he was God. Well, we know that isn't truth of the word, but even that might be a little tough for some to really relate to. What about the life of Peter? I mean, can you think of a bigger knucklehead than Peter? Thank you, Edna. And now I'm going to walk in love and not assume you're talking about me, but you're talking about Steve. All right. <laughs> Actually, my first name is Peter. So, hey, there you go. All right. And I shouldn't have told you all that. Anyway, all right. So, <laughs> but you know, Peter was a guy that, that who would have thought Peter would have been the one to lead the church after Jesus' departure? This is the guy that would get in fights over who was the greatest. This is the guy that Jesus told about repeatedly that he would, that the son of man would be betrayed. 
that these things would happen, he, but he'd be raised from the dead. When they came, he, he would ask Peter, go pray with me. Peter would sleep. Anybody ever fell asleep and the Lord asked you to do something? Can I see some hands? So my hand is not the only one. I don't feel bad. Okay. I, the Lord lays you I need you to pray for this person. You're like, okay, Lord, I'll do it. I mean, we've all been, we've all been like Peter, right? But three times he did this. You know, Jesus just wanted to just thump him in the head. Boy, what is wrong with you? Peter, in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, they, they, they're there and Jesus is, is, you know, talking with them and, and they show up. Peter doesn't get it. He jumps up. He's, he's talking big, you know. Hey, I'll never, I will, I will go to, I'll, I'll go to the grave with you. They show up. Peter gets his sword out. Jesus was just talking about the plan that the son of man has, has got to be offered up. Jesus jumps up and tries to stop it, cuts a guy's ear off. I mean, it's one thing to get up and, and, you know, give a little attitude. Peter cut the man's ear off. (laughs) Yay, Peter. I mean, Peter was crazy. Then just a a few few verses later, we see Peter denying Christ. Three times denying him. And then the Bible says he wept bitterly. He just wept bitterly. I mean, this was a guy that, was called to lead the church. And just a few days from then, he was going to be in charge of, of leading the direction of the church. Couldn't keep his mouth shut. Couldn't quit from hurting people. What was the difference in Peter's life? It was the Holy Spirit upon him. It was the Holy Spirit upon them that made, enabled Peter to do what he did. See, all of us, we look around and we think, well, all of our deficiencies in these areas where we don't quite measure up, welcome to the club. We're all there, right? But it's not about you. It's not about you. It's a, it wasn't about Peter. It was about the one that was living in him and the one that was resting upon him and just simply following that. If you look in Acts, the third chapter, uh, speaking of Peter, it said that, uh, this is after, you know, of course we know the day of Pentecost, you know, uh, they obeyed and stayed in, the, in, in Jerusalem and the day of Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit was poured out and, and people were, you know, amazed and some were mocking them. Listen, don't let anybody's mockery affect who you are, what you do, right? But people, some people were amazed, others were mocking. But who was the one that stood up? It was Peter with the 11. But Peter was the one that stood up and actually spoke. It was the Holy Spirit upon him. Now, before we go and read uh, in, in the third chapter, but in, in two, it's in chapter two, Peter said, it shall come to pass, says the Lord, or says in the last day, says God, that I'll pour my spirit out on all flesh. We have any all flesh in here today? We have all flesh. If you're all flesh, let me see some hands, right? We're all flesh. I'll pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. You know, that's God's will for you to prophesy. That just means inspired utterance. You're walking through Walmart, going through the mall, going about your business at at work. You just have a word for somebody from the Holy Ghost. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I'm a men servant and maid servants. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Listen, we're all qualified for this. 
So we're all qualified for this. You're qualified for this. Peter, just a few days later, in the third chapter, we know this the story here of the man at the gate. Peter and John went up to the temple, verse 1, the third chapter, to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which was called Beautiful, to ask alms for those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So Peter, so, the, so he gave, his, gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. So he knew that he had something. He knew that he had something. He lived aware of that he had something. This is the whole point, living aware of what's on the end, getting it. It's a free gift, just like salvation. Don't run from it, receive it. Don't, in fact, it's a commandment to get it. And if you love him, you'll go, you'll go for it. But then once you have it, live a life where you're aware of it to the point you know you've got something. Even when somebody's asking for one thing, you know what their real need is and what the, where their real answer lies, right? It's one thing to just meet somebody's immediate need and do that. But I tell you, it's something else to also meet the underlying issue. And Peter had the Holy Spirit. He said, listen, he said, silver and gold, I don't have for you. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He had awareness of the power of God in his life. That same power that went out of Jesus when the woman touched him, the same power that he ministered to people was the same power that Peter knew that he had. Yes, the same Peter who denied Christ lost his temper, couldn't get the plan of God. Once the Holy Spirit was there, he knew, what he, he knew who he was and he knew what he had. Living aware of that. Living aware of that every day. I mean, it goes on to say about Peter that they would, they would line the streets with, him, with people, sick people, just so that his shadow would pass over them and they would be healed. Now, I don't have, we don't have any record of Jesus doing that. His shadow healing people, do we? There's no record of that happening. Because, it's, like I said, in this case, it wasn't about Jesus necessarily. It's him as a man. It was about the Spirit of God that was upon him. That same Holy Spirit rested and resided on him. He was so aware and made him so at home in his life that even when he walked, the power of God, the presence of God just saturated even his shadow. Wow. That is amazing. Isn't that amazing? You know, God's called us to live a life so much higher than what we've seen. He's called us to live a life so much higher than, than what we've seen. You know, I believe that, that uh, God's looking for a people who will begin to recognize who lives on the inside of them, the presence of God in the inside of them, the, the manifest presence of God, the Holy Spirit on their life, and begin to live their lives in tune with him and look to him. And to follow his leading and to follow his voice. Not just look for others to do it, but they want, they want that for their life. Right? Now I'll say this, if you want this for your life, you'll have to, there'll be other things you have to lay aside if you want that. There'll be other things you have to lay aside if you want that. You have to lay aside other people's opinions of you. There'll be people who don't agree with it. People didn't agree with Jesus. People didn't agree with Peter. Yet God still used him. Listen, I just encourage you, 
God's been emphasizing his spirit, his presence, the importance of the Holy Spirit. He's been emphasizing the gift of, of speaking in tongues. It builds you up. It edifies you. It charges you up. It helps you pray out mysteries. Right? I mean, eye has not seen, ear has not heard the, the things that have entered it, or the things that God has prepared for those who love him, but he has revealed them to us through his spirit. I mean, he's given us everything. So he's been emphasizing this, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's been emphasizing that. Let's as a church run with it. You know, I've, you've heard me say this before. It's not about a message or a sermon. But we call it a message because there's supposed to be a message in it. What is the message? It's, it's to embrace this gift and deliver our lives aware of this gift. Right? It's not just about hearing a message, but going out and doing something with this. I promise you. I, I challenge you to do it, but I promise you it works because I, I know. I've seen it work. Today, tomorrow, just simply begin to divert your attention to him throughout the day. Make it a point. Father, I thank you that you've given me this gift of the Holy Spirit. And so right now, I just honor him. What are you doing? You're making room for him. You're acknowledging him in your life, right? I honor him. I thank you for this gift. And, I, and you begin to speak by faith. I thank you that I hear clearly his direction. And I'm an open vessel to be used by you. Is there anything you want me to do? Anything you want me to say? Anything you want to say to me? You open your heart to him. He will begin to talk to you. He'll begin to reveal himself to you. You'll begin to see things in a way that you've not seen before. People will look different than, to you than they've looked before. Man, we need the Holy Ghost in this area more than anything to see people the way that God sees them. In and of ourselves, we're not going to be able to do it. But with, that, with the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we'll see them the way God sees them. I just challenge you, start making room for the Holy Ghost in your life. We're a Spirit-filled church. Well, let's be a Spirit-filled people. Right? Not just on Sundays, but on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all day Sunday, right? I mean, you know, let's, let's be spirit people where we're, I mean, what, we, what does that mean? We're letting him get involved in our daily life. Right? The Lord brings somebody to your attention. You just keep thinking of somebody. You know, a lot of times the Holy Ghost is wanting you to pray or to reach out to them. Pay attention to that. Pay attention to that. Begin to pay attention to him. Praise God. I tell you what, I'm so excited. I'm so excited about what God wants to do. And just as, just, just for, I knew for me, when I started just making it a point of doing this, just suddenly things become just alive, just exciting. God wants your life to be exciting. Your walk with him to be exciting. And it can be. Whew. If we'll do this, I tell you, we'll, we'll see big things happen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.